Now, our Bible reading tonight is taken from Isaiah chapter 17. Isaiah chapter 17. Let's hear the word of God for those on the online forum. The words will appear on the screen. Isaiah chapter 17, we're going to read from verse 1. The burden of Damascus. Behold, Damascus is taken away from being a city. And that shall be a ruinous heap. The cities of Aror are forsaken. They shall be for flocks, which shall lie down, and none shall make them afraid. The fortress also shall cease from Ephraim, and the kingdom from Damascus, and the remnant of Syria. They shall be as the glory of the children of Israel, saith the Lord of hosts. And in that day it shall come to pass that the glory of Jacob shall be made thin, and the fatness of his flesh shall wax lean. And it shall be as when the harvest man gathereth the corn, and reapeth the ears with his arm. And it shall be as he that gathereth ears in the valley of Rephim. Yet gleaning grapes shall be left in it, as the shaking of an olive tree. Two or three berries in the top of the uppermost bough, four or five in the outmost fruitful branches thereof, saith the Lord God of Israel. And that day shall a man look to his maker, and his eyes shall have respect to the Holy One of Israel. And he shall not look to the altars, the works of his hands, neither shall respect that which his fingers have made, either the groves or the images. In that day shall his strong cities be as a forsaken boy and an uppermost branch which they left because of the children of Israel and there shall be desolation because thou hast forgotten the God of thy salvation and hast not been mindful of the rock of thy strength. Therefore shalt thou plant pleasant plants and shall set it with strange slip. In the day shalt thou make thy plant to grow, and in the morning shalt thou make thy seed to flourish. But the harvest shall be in heap in the day of grief and of desperate sorrow. Woe to the multitude of many people which make a noise like the noise of the seas, and to the rushing of nations that make a rushing like the rushing of mighty waters. The nations shall rush like the rushing of mighty waters, but God shall rebuke them, and they shall flee far off, and shall be chased as the chaff of the mountains before the wind, and like a rolling thing before the whirlwind. And behold, at eventide trouble, and before the morning he is not. This is the portion of them that spoil us, and the lot of them that rob us. Amen. We know the Lord will stamp with his own approval and blessing this reading of his own precious and infallible word. Now my text this evening is found in Isaiah chapter 17, verses 10 and 11. 
Listen to these words. Because thou hast forgotten the God of thy salvation, has not been mindful of the rock of thy strength, therefore shalt thou plant pleasant plants, and shalt set it with strange slips. In the day shalt thou make thy plant to grow, and in the morning thou shalt make thy seed to flourish. But the harvest shall be in heap in the day of grief and of desperate sorrow. Now, beside that text, you can write this theme, the harvest of forgetting God. I've told you in the past, it's worth repeating, that the word harvest is used 53 times in the Bible. The first reference, of course, is Genesis 8 and verse 22. While the earth remaineth, seed time and harvest and cold and heat and summer and winter and day and night shall not cease. This is God's promise of a harvest. There always has been a harvest, young people, and there always will be a harvest right until the day that Jesus Christ returns in power and glory. And I want to encourage you, want to deliver you from your fears, because climate change is not going to destroy the world. There's always been climatic changes in the earth. Trace back to the days of Noah and the universal flood that covered the highest mountains that led to an ice age that followed. Did you know that they used to farm farmland in Greenland that's now covered with snow and ice? Did you know that they used to skate on the River Thames in the 1700s? I think about 1780 or thereabouts. Do you know that whenever I was a child in the 1970s and 80s, the scientists were talking about a great cooling of the earth, another ice age, a mini ice age is coming. You see, I believe it's right that we look after the planet. I believe it's right that we protect its national resources. But don't be alarmed and fearful that climate change is going to destroy the world. It is not. Do you know that they don't even tell us the whole truth? Not so long ago they were telling us in 2018 that the coral reef in uh, Australia was disintegrating fast and it was a sign of climate change. And the truth is that it's two or three times bigger now than ever that they reported in 2018. How can I be so confident that climate change won't change or destroy the world? Well, I'm standing on the word of God. Here's God's promise. While the earth remaineth, seed time and harvest. There'll always be a harvest, young people. The last reference to harvest in the Bible is the book of Revelation, Revelation 14, verse 15. This last and final reference to the harvest is a harvest of terrible judgment that's coming upon the earth. Now, that's a sermon on its own, and I've preached, I think, the final harvest before. You can look it up on the church website or on YouTube. But in between these two references, the first reference, that's very important, and the last reference, you've got another 51 references to the harvest. And every year during the harvest time, I have taken some of these references to the harvest and I've preached sermons on them, like Isaiah 9 and 3, the joy of the harvest, Matthew 9 and 27, the plenteous harvest, uh, Matthew 9, 38, the Lord of the harvest. These are great themes. These are sermons in their own right. Now, this evening, I want to preach, as I've already told you, on the harvest of forgetting God. Now, the words that I've read in your hearing, Isaiah 17, if I put them in their original context and setting, these words apply to the territory of Israel 
and a proposed alliance between Israel and the country of Samaria via its capital, Damascus. You've heard of Damascus in the news. Well, it's that old city, the capital of Syria. In the eyes of God's prophet Isaiah, he strongly protested against such an alliance. You see, in his eyes, this was an ungodly alliance. And his challenge to them was, you're leaving God out of the picture. You're forgetting God. Taking God out of the government of the day. It's not a new thing. It's taken place in the 1700s BC. Taking God out of political alliances that were being forged. It's not a new thing. This alliance... Isaiah was saying, will hasten and bring about a whole Assyrian invasion. And that's exactly what happened in 722 BC. Now the prophet's word was true. And subsequent events proved that it came to pass. Isaiah the prophet's contention and conviction was well grounded. Israel, he was saying, in the forming of this uh, unholy alliance, this is an ill-judged Godless relationship with Damascus and Syria. And you're sadly and willfully turning your back on the Lord. And as a result of the rejection of the Lord, you're now seeking your own comfort elsewhere. She sought comfort in her false religion, in her numerous army, in her economy, in her talents and strength. And he was saying to them, but it's all going to end in tears. And he likened their activity to that of a gardener tending to exotic plants. And the gardener making every effort to help and assist the plants to grow. Like you're helping and assisting in this godless relationship. And what's the outcome, he's saying? The outcome is this. Sadly and truly, it leads to bitter disappointment. It leads to distress. It leads to disaster. Now you're thinking, but that was 2,700 years ago. So what? What has that historical story got to do with today in the here and now? And it is this. There's an abiding principle here, one that we would do well to take the earnest heed to, and it's this, the harvest of forgetting God. You see, I want you to understand tonight that this applies to national life. You think of ungodly politicians deliberately and willfully leaving the true and, God, true and living God out of all their governmental policies. It applies to the religious life of the nation. You, you think of religious leaders deliberately and willfully leaving the true and living God out of their lifestyle, their teaching. Their activity. You see, have we not got today a form of godliness? But it's without the knowledge of the person of God as the living and the true God and his son Jesus Christ. 
It's without the presence of God being a felt reality in the meetings. It's without the power of God being evident. It's without the purity of the living and the true God. I want to tell you it applies to family life. How many families in the community of Carrie Duff, and they're running into what, three or four thousand now, have willfully and deliberately left God out, mum and dad and children included? And what about your individual life and mine? See, I put it to you tonight, and it's this this is the lifestyle of many in the present age. There's a deliberate forgetting of God a deliberate willful leaving the Lord out of their life and as they pursue their life and live it to the full and do all that's in their eyes and according to the lust of their flesh they leave the Lord out and I want to tell you tonight I believe there's a lesson for the country I believe there's a lesson for the church I believe there's a lesson for the Christian There's certainly a lesson for every citizen in Northern Ireland, and it's this. And we have got some young people here with some children. And I'm going to sum it up in three words, and I'd like to give you something simple that you can take at home. And here it is. Don't forget God. The God of the Bible. The living and the true God. The God who's maker and creator. The God with whom you have to do. Don't forget God. There used to be a wee friend of the late Ernie Patterson's and he used to say, and he said to Ernie, but he also said to me in a couple of times, didn't he forget the church? And I understood what he was saying. But here's something more profound and deeper than that. Don't forget God. Because if we do, and if that principle applies in the country and in the church, And in our lives as Christians and in the life of the citizen, if we do, we'll reap a terrible harvest. There's three things I want to bring to your attention. Notice the sinful practice that is presented. He says in verse 10, look at the book, Because thou hast forgotten the God of thy salvation and hast not been mindful of the rock of thy strength. Now we'll pause there. What is the sin that Isaiah the prophet is flagging up? What is the sin that Isaiah the prophet is charging the people of Israel with? We could ask, well, what's the most troubling sin here? What is the terrible sin that we're committing, Isaiah? It's not adultery. It's not murder. It's not theft. It's not homosexuality, it's not drunkenness, it's not idolatry. And I have no doubt that those sins were prevalent, those sins were to the fore. But that's not the most pressing sin that Isaiah is concerned about. The most pressing sin that he was concerned about was this, forgetting the God of thy salvation and the rock of thy strength. Now, at times we all forget things. Young people can forget things. Leave things in the bus, their PE kit their hockey stick, their football boots. They go to school and, where's my bag? Where's my boots? Oh, I left it in the bus. Mummy gets a ring. The man at the bus shelter gets a ring. And it, 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 see, 
Old people can forget things. I forget things. I'm forever saying to Rosie, where did I put my keys? Or where did I put that piece of paper that was sitting there on the table three days ago and I remember putting it there? Or where did I put that book? Did, did you lift it? Sometimes we even meet people, people that we know, people who are free Presbyterians, and we know their face, and we know almost the place that they belong to as far as their spiritual home is concerned. But, but sometimes the name just... It's rumbling through our head, and we just can't seem to, to quite grasp it. That's, that's old age. But that's not what I'm talking about. I'm not talking about forgetting something. This was not an ordinary bout of forgetfulness. I want you to understand this was a willful, deliberate mindset and attitude. And Psalm 14 verse 1 says, think of these words. The fool have said in his heart, there is no God. There is as an italics. It's not just a denial of the existence of God. It's an attitude of rebellion. See, Isaiah the prophet is standing and he's saying, don't forget the Lord. Don't forget about the God of heaven. Don't forget about the Almighty. Don't forget about the Lord. And what were the politicians saying? The preachers saying in that day? The people saying? Don't listen to that old fool. You see, this was not a little insignificant matter. This was absolute folly. This was futile behavior. This was fatal as far as an attitude is concerned. If I was to take time tonight, which we haven't time to do, and trace the history, say if the times of the judges, remember the key thing was every man did that which was right in his own eyes. If I trace the history of the ten tribes and the formation of the northern kingdom from start to finish, trace the history of the two tribes in the southern kingdom, Judah and Benjamin, and we ask this question, like many's asking today in the United Kingdom, what on earth is happening today in the United Kingdom? We put it all into a pot, we can boil it down. And it's this, forgot God. Now that's a key point. And I don't want you to lose sight of that. Because I just don't want you to think, well, that's a mere historical matter 2,700 years ago. It's not a, a, just a, a, a mere historical matter. It's a heavenly matter. It applies to the here and now. It's bang up to date, young people. Young people, it's as relevant as anything else. Listen to what Jeremiah the prophet says in Jeremiah 2 and in the verse 13. He made this significant statement. We have preached on it in the past and well aware. But listen again to these words. Jeremiah 2 and 13. For my people have committed two evils. Here's the first one. They have forsaken me, the fountain of living waters. And hewed them out cisterns, broken cisterns, that can hold no water. And I want you to think of the charge of that sinful practice. Forgot God deliberately and willfully and applies to the country. And we have to apply it. It applied to the church. 
Is it not true that Ichabod can be written outside the door of many religious establishments? The glory of the Lord has departed. Can, can we not apply this charge to the citizens that are growing up amongst us, the inhabitants of, of, of the land of this day? See, I want you to see how this applies to national life, religious life, family life, and individual life. Because in the United Kingdom, what's wrong with this United Kingdom? Two words, forgot God. And Isaiah's charge in that day was, don't forget God. But they have decided, willfully and deliberately, forget God. Is it not the aim of the United Kingdom government? It applies to Westminster, it applies to Stormont, to barely recognize at all the God of heaven. And if they do mention him, it's just mere lip service. And I want to tell you, they're making a mistake. They're committing a most evil and wicked sin. It's a deliberate policy and mindset. But you've got to think of the charge of this sinful practice. I want you to think of the character of this sinful practice. Look at the text, two things. The God of thy salvation and the God of thy strength. Do you see the seriousness of this sin? See, it has to do with treachery. It has to do with rebellion. It has to do with man's pride and vanity. Forgetting the God of your salvation. You see, let me say this tonight very clearly from the pulpit. If you are to be saved, how are you to be saved? Well, here's the answer. Isaiah 45 and 22, look unto me. This is the God of heaven speaking. Look unto me and be ye saved, all ye ends of the earth. And how do you look? You look in faith. Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, the Bible says, Acts 17 and 31, and thou shalt be saved. It was the Apostle John that said this in John 17 and verse 3, and this is life eternal, that they might know thee the only true God, and Jesus Christ whom thou hast sent. Looking in faith that we might know God in a real experimental way as the living and the true God and know his son Jesus Christ whom he sent to be the saviour of the world. Now let me ask you this question. Have you ever looked to the God of heaven through our Lord Jesus Christ and his person and work that you might be saved? See, there's a young fella sitting in church one time. He's 16 years of age. He's just come into that building because uh, it's a snowy Sunday and the snow was deep in London and he couldn't get into his regular church. So he went into this wee Methodist chapel. Wasn't too many there. The preacher didn't even turn up. It was a lay preacher. And of course, he's a bit like myself. He hadn't much to say. And he decided then to preach on Isaiah 45 and 22, look unto me and be ye saved all ye ends of the earth. And he looked down, he seen this young fella sitting, you was a visitor, and picked on him and said, young fella, you look very miserable. And you'll never, be, you'll never be happy. You'll always remain miserable until you look and be saved. Young fella, look and be saved. Look and be saved. Now, you know who that young fella was at 16 years of age? He was Charles Haddon Spurgeon. And that day his heart was warmed. He was born of the Spirit. He was washed in the blood. And of course he became a great preacher. One of the greatest Baptist preachers ever produced in the United Kingdom. The God of thy salvation. 
Is that true of you? Are you forgetting and forsaking the only one alone who can save you and be the God of your salvation? Have you forgotten that the Lord Jesus was born for sinners, lived for sinners, died for sinners, shed his blood at Calvary? Don't look to the church. It's not the church that saves, neither Protestant or Roman Catholic. Don't look to yourself because you can't save yourself. You've got to look to the Savior. Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, the life. No man comes unto the Father but by me. Think of the context here. Look at verses 7 and 8. He says, at that day shall a man look to his maker and his eyes shall have respect to the Holy One of Israel. And he shall not look to the altars, the works of his hands, neither shall respect that which his fingers have made, either the groves or the images. That's the context here. Don't forget God. Because he's the God of your salvation. He's the only one who can save you. He's the only one who can help you. Let me ask this question. How do you sum up your life tonight? Are you living without a saving knowledge of God? Are you living without the Lord at your center? Have you forgot God? Willfully and deliberately left him out. He's not only the God of thy salvation. Notice he's the God of thy strength. And I, I say to the young people tonight, remember this. Where does your health and strength come from? Where does the breath that you breathe come from? Where does the use of your senses come from? Where does that bodily movement come from? Where does the gift of food come from? Job was asked the question in Job 12 and 10. In whose hand is the God of every living thing? And the breath. Of all mankind. You see even the ability to work and earn money. The psalmist said the Lord is the strength of my life. He's the God of thy strength. And oh that we could be filled with the knowledge of this God. How transcendent he is. He's a great God. Only God is great. How good and gracious this God is. How how glorious he is. Oh, we could understand something of the immensity of this God. His uh, security, his, his stability. Maybe you're a Christian here. You're going through a hard time. Trials have come. Bereavement, illness, unemployment, fearfulness, dread. Remember this. Who's your strength? You're thinking, how am I going to get through tomorrow? How am I going to get through next week? How am I going to face this and that and another thing? Well, here's the answer. The God of thy strength. Paul said, I can do all things through Christ, which strengthens me. He wasn't boasting when he said, I can do all things. If he'd have stopped there, he would be. But he said, I can do all things through Christ which strengthens me. Did the psalmist not say the eternal God is thy refuge and underneath are the everlasting arms? Never forget the Lord. Look to him now as the God of thy salvation, the God of thy strength. We're to be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. Without the Lord we'd make a mess. But we look to our maker and remember he's the one that provides for us and meets our need. That's the sinful practice here. Has to be presented. Notice secondly and quickly. There's a significant planting. That is pursued. If you look again at the text. It says this. Therefore shalt thou plant pleasant plants. And shalt set it with strange slips. In the day shalt thou make thy plant to grow. And in the morning shalt thou make thy seed to flourish. 
Now you've got to think here. A significant planting that is pursued. You've got to think of a horticulturist. You've got to think of a man who's a gardener or, or someone who has a garden center and he has a knowledge of plants. So all, all kinds of exotic plants. He, he mentions here the words pleasant plants. Well, well, that has to do with exotic plants. And this individual has great pleasure in watching plants grow. And of course, it's fun for many being a gardener. I don't have gardener hands. But many joy and delight in planting things in the garden and watching them grow. And, and, and this individual, he's even going further because he's not just planting plants to watch them grow and say it's tomato plants or say it's, it's grapes or whatever and produce a harvest from them. He's doing something else. If you look at the text, it says, and shall set it with strange slips. Now, what does that mean? It means he's experimenting. He's trying to grow and create new plants. If I put it this way, suppose this man has got 10,000 pounds to spend and he buys this most exotic plant. He brings it home. He tells his wife and the family to come and look at this. It's very, very costly. And he uses light and heat and water and feeding and everything he can to make this plant to flourish. But he, he's, he's using this plant then to create, say, 10 more exotic plants. And, he, and he's, he's, he's adding strange slips to it in the expectation that it's going to grow. And the Bible tells us here that um, in the day shalt thou make thy plant to grow when he sees some evidence of growth. And in the morning shalt thou make thy seed to flourish. And he's happy and pleased with his progress. Now think of what Isaiah is saying here. He's saying to this, you have forgot God, left him willfully and deliberately out of your life. But you're also busy engaged in having left God out, making this ungodly alliance with Damascus. And you're using all your energy and your talent and skill to make this alliance into a great success. Your heart and soul is in it. Now, that's the significant planting that is being pursued. There's two things. There's a root here and there's a fruit Judah's principal sin was to leave the Lord out of their life. And therefore, because they left the Lord out, they began to do things and look in other directions for help. God has been dethroned by ungodly men. He's no longer the object of their desire. So there's a desire to turn to other things and other pursuits. And that's true. Whenever a nation forgets God and turns away from the Lord, then to fill the vacuum, they turn to other things. And that's true religiously. When the church forgets God, it turns to other things to, to fill the vacuum. And that's true individually. Whenever a person forgets God, they, they fill their life with other things. We'll see that in a moment. Let, let, let me just apply this. If you read the book of Judges, Judges 19, do you know it's like reading something out of the Sun newspaper or one of them other tabloids? If you read Judges 19, and I encourage you to read it, you're going to read a story of homosexual lust and decadent behavior. You're going to read a story of multiple gang rape of a poor woman. 
You're going to read then of violence and bloodshed and vengeance and murder. How did the territory of Dan ever get into such a vile, violent state? Where did it originate? Where did this natural corruption break out? I want to tell you where it broke out, where it all started. It can be traced back to the apostasy of the day. There was a great departure from God and his word. And when there's a great departure from God and his word, as the only true and living God, as the only God who's good and gracious to the old glorious God of heaven and earth, whenever there's a turning and a departure from him and where apostasy abounds, that apostasy then has an impact on the moral state of the land and its people. And it affects national life, religious life, family life and individual life. Whenever Micah hired the priest, he started a homemade religion in the tribe of Dan. They came along and they poached the priest. They said, then we'll pay you more. We'll give you better garments to wear. Not just one family, but you could minister to a whole tribe. And that priest then engaged in idolatry and false worship in the tribe of Dan. You can read about it there in the book of Judges. And where did it lead to? That bad root, where did it lead to? It led to bad fruit. It led to that homosexual decadent behavior. It led to multiple rape. It led to violence and bloodshed. Do you see the picture? It wasn't apparent at first. The law of the harvest was to kick in. And the law of the harvest is this. What you sow, you reap. Young people, let's discover the law of the soil is the law of the soul. What you sow, you reap. Let me apply this to individual life. What are you living for tonight? You've made a deliberate, willful decision. Know God. Forget God. In my life. But what's filling the vacuum? Your pursuit of pleasure. Your pursuit of possessions. Your pursuit of your plans. I'm going to do this, I'm going to do that, I'm going to go here, I'm going to uh, buy what I want, all without reference to the Lord. And you'll devote your time and your energy to it all, and you'll delight in it. Why? Because you're trying to replace the Lord. And you can't, because deep down you're not satisfied. Deep down you're not content. Deep down you don't have inner peace. Why? Because you're built and made for God. And all your pursuits and your ambitions and your achievements will come to naught. And you'll never find peace. You'll never find true contentment and inner satisfaction. And even though things will go well for a time and season, the space of times but a ploy of the devil. It'll end in misery and defeat and depression. Because once you leave the Lord out, and then other things come in and begin to take over. Here's where it can eventually lead to. It leads to apostasy and false religion and idolatry. And then it leads to an outbreak of morality or immorality. You see, true religion and the absence of it in the land has an impact in the land morally. Where there's no true religion. There's no true morality. And why is there an explosion of immorality in Northern Ireland at this time? Well, here's the answer. There's been an abandonment of God and a forsaking of him. And that, I put it to you, is the significant planting that's pursued. 
the gardener playing with exotic plants, expecting them to grow, and is spending all his time and energy. It's just like the children of Israel pursuing this unholy alliance with Damascus and Syria. All their time and energy. But all the while, all the while, the vacuum is being filled with sin and iniquity. One final thing. There's a sad payment that's produced. If I ask tonight, if you look at the text, it says, but the harvest shall be in heap in the day of grief and of desperate sorrow. What's the result of forgetting God? A day of grief and of desperate sorrow. You see the word heap there, but the harvest shall be in heap. This is a reference to the loss of inheritance. You think of the man that spent the 10,000 pound buying the exotic plant and tried to make 10 more plants just like it so he would have 100,000 pounds. And for a time, the slips seemed to take and seemed to grow. But when the harvest came in the day of expectation, would you want to buy a plant at 10,000 pounds? Then it all came to nothing. For a time, they appeared to be growing. But now in the day of inheritance, when they're due to be sold, they're useless and ruined. The implants have died. The original has failed. And it's a day of grief and a day of sorrow. In fact, the reference is to deadly sorrow. So overcomes the man that it's like a death in the home. The heart and the life and the mind's affected. And I want to say tonight in finishing, what's true in a material sense is, is true in a spiritual sense. You see, if you take the days of your life on earth, you live without God and your mindset is no God. You'll have temporary success for a while. You can have your pursuits and your pleasures. You can have your possessions. And you'll think, but there's no harm in that. Do you know that the Bible says that wisdom is better than rubies? If someone was saying, look, I'll, I'll get you 10 rubies, but no wisdom, you'd be better with wisdom. Wisdom's a personification of Christ. The Bible talks about pleasures of sin for a season. And you can enjoy the pleasures of sin in this life for a season. But let me tell you this. It'll end in a day of grief and a day of deadly sorrow. Because one day in the world to come, you've got to face God in the judgment. The Bible says in Psalm 9 verse 17, the wicked shall be turned into hell and all nations that forget God. This is where it leads to. Meeting God in the judgment is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. This is the harvest of forgetting God. Now let me finish. What is your life tonight, young person? What, what is your chief sin? Is it just this, that you're living your life forgetting about God? And what kind of life do you live without God? Are you filling it with pleasant plants? And trying to, to add strange slips in. It'll come to grief and nothing. What you need to do is recognize your sin. And repent of that sin. Jeremiah said, yet my people have forsaken me days without number. And even though you've gone days without number. I want you to make a beeline for the cross tonight. I want you to make a beeline to Christ. Look to him. He has made you. He, he has kept you to this day. He calls to you tonight. 
He says, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these other things will be added unto you. You're to look to your master, look to your maker. Will you do that tonight? There's a sad payment that's produced because there's a harvest of forgetting God. Sin pays wages. And could you imagine in that final day, standing before the Lord, and you tell him to his face of deliberately, willfully, forgotten you. And he'll say to you at that day, depart from me, ye curse it, ye worker of iniquity, and the everlasting fire prepared for the devil and the angels. And will that be a day of grief and sorrow? Not just the loss materially, not just the loss of money and inheritance, but the loss of your soul. Bible asks this, what shall a man give in exchange for his soul? What will you do with Jesus Christ tonight and the need of your soul? Will you bow the knee? Will you make a beeline to him? We encourage you to do that. May the Lord give you grace and help.